and welcome back to today's podcast, which is called The Alphabet of the Heart. Um, I'm, my name is James Kirby, and I'm here with Dr. James uh, Doty here in the podcast studios. Welcome, Dr. Doty. Great to be with you, James. It's lovely to be here, and we're up to podcast number nine. We are rapidly getting through these, uh, these letters in the alphabet. And so if you are tuning in uh, for the first time, it could be useful to go back and listen to our previous eight podcasts. You can find them on the CARE website and download the podcast series on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Dr. Doty, your website. JamesRDotyMD.com and IntoTheMagicShop.com. And last week, we discussed integrity, and we talked about the science behind it as well as some as well as some practical tips. And today we move on to the eighth letter, which is letter J, which stands for justice. Um, but to give you a little bit of background, Dr. Doty is a clinical professor of neurosurgery at Stanford University, and he is also the director for the cent- uh, the director of the Center for Compassion, Altruism, Research and Education at CARE at Stanford. I've only been working there the last five months, Dr. Doty. You're it fired. Oh, that's from Donald Trump. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I'll get it eventually. Um, and over in 2016, Dr. Doty released a, a fantastic book called Into the Magic Shop, where he shares a mnemonic he created, which is called The Alphabet of the Heart, which is the focus of this podcast series. So, letter J, Dr. Doty, what was the perhaps uh, insight to bring J to, to the alphabet? Well, uh, as you know, uh, there are 10 letters uh, as part of this alphabet of the heart, C through L. And um, this was created after a period of self-reflection, as I've mentioned previously, as to those uh, values or uh, components of um, sort of the self-reflection I've been doing over the last uh, several years. And uh, when I was creating this alphabet of the heart, as I got to J, I thought of uh, justice and some people might say, "Well, what does that really mean?" And um, in our lives, what happens to so many of us? We end up focusing on our narrow spectrum of life, which is perhaps our job or our families or really the events that are around us. But what we don't appreciate is that uh, many people are str- struggling, suffering. And um, there's often a disparity between how we live and how others live and also how others are treated. And unfortunately, whether it's in the United States or other parts of the world, uh, oftentimes there are people, usually those who are most vulnerable in society, uh, who are taken advantage of, who the system doesn't work for oftentimes, and the very nature of that disparity between how one group or class of people are treated and another uh, actually only exacerbates the disparity. As an example, when we look at people in poverty, oftentimes there are people who say, well, the reason they're in poverty is because they they just don't want to work hard. And multiple studies have shown that that is not the case whatsoever. In fact, Most people, when given the opportunity, would love to have a job. But imagine a situation where you have a minimum wage job, you don't have a car, and uh, you live several miles from work. Imagine how your own life would be affected 
if you had to get up two or three hours earlier to catch a bus, and that bus then over a period of two to three hours gets you to work, so a significant part of your day has already been used in simply getting to a job, a minimum wage job. And then once you get there, you work very hard, and oftentimes minimum wage jobs are some of the most grueling, demanding jobs there are. And then you have to leave and repeat the same thing to get home. Then you come home, and let's say you have children. Uh, you've spent so much time getting to and from work, which has not paid you anything. Uh, the minimum wage in this country is such that it cannot support one person, much less a wife and a family. So your children are suffering. And all of these things create a horrible system which results in, the, in those people oftentimes not being able to share in the success or what we call the American dream. And in fact, it's impossible for them to participate in the American dream. Or think of what we've seen over in the newspapers or the media over the last uh, few months or years uh, in regard to the disparity between how a militarized police force treats uh, people of color. Or you simply look at the prison system and you see the disparity between uh, prison sentences for those of color and uh, for those more affluent. And in that same context, if you have the money and the resources, you can pay for the best attorney. And if you don't, you often get someone who uh, is not as talented, not as sophisticated. And the list and list goes on and on. Healthcare, the lack of uh, availability, although it's been somewhat ameliorated by Obamacare, but the lack of availability to healthcare in the context of people of poverty or color or children has a devastating effect. And each of these things reinforces, if you will, the walls around the prison uh, to escape. It, uh, this is a system, unfortunately, that's been created over a great deal of time, and this podcast doesn't allow us to go into all the reasons. But the point of making these different points is for one to understand, number one, that many of us are extraordinarily blessed by our positions and uh, uh, the fact that uh, we've not had to overcome many of these difficulties. But I suggest when you start thinking about your own blessings, you look at those who are most vulnerable, you look at those who are suffering in this way, and you make a conscious effort to help those who are suffering, who are vulnerable. Because the fact of the matter is, and um, as you know, one of our letters is gratitude, humility, having integrity and values, or some of the others as part of this alphabet of the heart. This idea of justice is this uh, belief that I have that as a human being who's been blessed with talents, who's been given opportunities to excel and participate uh, in the best parts of society, I have an obligation because of those gifts to be of service to others and to see in any way that I can use my own talents to help ameliorate that suffering, uh, hopefully work towards 
making people aware of these types of injustices and for them to thoughtfully reflect and to work toward uh, removing these barriers to individuals, not only reaching their own potential, but also to uh, give them the opportunity to uh, share in the same blessings that I've had. Thank you for, for that, Dr. Dan. I think what you just so nicely um, conveyed there was when we think of justice, sometimes we can think of it just being such a large systems-based process and it's like, well, how can I uh, have any impact on some of these systems-level uh, factors? But the fact of the matter is we can all start um, just with ourselves in very small ways, almost from a bottom-up process that can really have a rippling effect and, and have a change on the person's life right beside us. And you never know where those people are going to end up down the line, particularly when we think of, uh, you know, trying to provide a just opportunity uh, for, for our children. But moving into the second part of, of the podcast, which talks a little bit about the science and research, and, and, and Dr. Dodi's already mentioned a little bit of some of the studies and what it's found in relation to justice. But often when we think of justice, um, we can think of equality as well. And I mean, they are relatively similar, but there are some distinctions. So justice is about trying to provide just behavior or, or treatment or, or pro behaving in a way that's morally right and fair. And equality is more about the quality of being fair and impartial and perhaps hoping to provide um, a state of being equal, especially in status rights and opportunities. Now, there's been a recent cartoon or a little image that's been floating around uh, the internet and social media recently, which I think sort of conveys the differences between equality and justice just a little bit. It features a child, an adolescent and an adult trying to look over a fence um, and the fence is quite tall and each of those individuals is given a little box to stand on. And of course, it helps the adult look over the fence. The, the adolescent can just, you know, just get a slight sort of peek over the fence, but it doesn't help the child at all look over the fence, as opposed to a just response to that would be giving the child a bigger box to look over uh, the fence so all of them can, can have that opportunity. And so that's really trying to get at the, the, the sort of the crux of what we're talking about with justice. And there are many benefits of justice as well. Michelle Alexander has written a book called The New Jim Crow, Mass Incarceration in the Age of Color Blindness, which really sort of tackles some of the injustices around incarceration and the prejudice against minority groups and sort of examines some of the studies that have been done in criminology, for example, uh, which is found when we start to engage in uh, more just and benefits for society as a whole, uh, incarceration rates start to decrease and if we have less incarceration it can also help uh, break that cycle of poverty for many minority groups so we can see how governments can try to provide policy that adopts this justice perspective by pr trying to provide vulnerable vulnerable groups with greater access to support and a key part of that justice therefore is trying to engage in that process of empathy so having insight into how the experience would be if you were in the position of that vulnerable group and there's very good research looking at how the previous qualities we've talked about in this podcast series can help cultivate empathy. However, if we feel under threat and or, or if we're very fearful, that can reduce our capacity to be able to have that perspective. And it can diminish our opportunities to uh, enact in, in just ways. And unfortunately, we kind of have a media and a political system at the moment which just thrives off fear, which then really impacts a just policy. No, I think you're exactly right. Uh, 
as we've talked about uh, in some of our other conversations, um, we have this fear response, which is mediated through our sympathetic nervous system. And in some ways, uh, if you look at the evolution of our species, it's been absolutely critical to our survival. But in a 24-7 environment, in the modern world, in a global world, some of the characteristics that we've had uh, benefit us in the early part of our evolution and survival of the species, frankly, work against us oftentimes mm -hmm. and work in a very negative way. And having insight into this reality, as an example, you mentioned the political system presently, having an understanding that you can be manipulated and when this fear response uh, is activated, what happens is oftentimes you look at the other as an enemy, uh, you engage in these tribal activities which typically are associated with you uh, getting with people who have the same belief systems or look like you or in the same socioeconomic class. And it leads oftentimes to dehumanization, objectification, and a lack of empathy or caring for the other. And really, uh, unless we recognize that and respond to that and recognize that each of us is equal, each of us is um, worthy of love, dignity, and understanding, then it really prevents us from uh, developing deep meaning in our lives. It prevents us from actually uh, being our best selves. Absolutely. That's absolutely correct. And when we start to have a look at ways we can start to cultivate uh, perhaps justice as a core quality in our daily lives, which moves on to the third component of this podcast, it's often a useful one um, when looking at uh, our perspective. It's a case of often we can look at it, um, a situation or a policy or um, an event as in uh, how does it benefit me or how does it, um, you know, how is it a sacrifice or what do I lose? And so, again, often the, the focus is on us. But another perspective is, again, engaging in that empathic uh, process where it's like, well, what have others uh, been able to benefit from this? What does this allow somebody else um, to have uh, to have benefit of or give opportunity to? And, of course, that's the, one of the, the primary reasons for things like a tax system to try to provide opportunities. It's almost like a, a benefit to be able to give back to your country or to your fellow um, companions um, opportunities perhaps that they haven't had the opportunity to have access to previously. Well, as we talked about a bit earlier uh, when we were talking about humility, um, oftentimes people who've achieved a level of success attribute that success to themselves. And of course, as we talked about, no not a single one of us uh, is here without the assistance, the support, the caring of other people, no matter how you would like to change that narrative. It's just uh, the reality. But when you're in that type of arrogant, uh, self-absorbed mindset, it really prevents you from looking at the suffering of another because what happens oftentimes is then you attribute that individual's uh, lack of accomplishment or success as somehow being their own fault because you were able to overcome it. And I've heard this over and over again. And as you know from my own background, having grown up in poverty, on public assistance, uh, neither parent having gone to college, a father who was an alcoholic, a mother who was chronically depressed, attempted suicide, 
it's a completely different narrative from people of those types of backgrounds. Mm-hmm. You don't have mentors. You don't have people who assist you in, um, let's say, getting an internship or even applying to college. And while these may seem like simple things, the additive nature of them, you were talking about a wall, the additive nature of them create a wall that you will never see over, or at least most people won't. And as you know from my book, I was very blessed because I met a person who gave me a different type of worldview and a set of tools that allowed me to be resilient in a difficult environment. But I was an exception. And this is what we talked about also earlier, this tendency to have these cognitive uh, biases or blind spots. Oftentimes, we'll look at another, and when our, especially when our sympathetic nervous system has been activated with this flight or fight response, actions that those individuals may do, we uh, look at ourselves, and we look through ourselves through the lens of our best selves, uh, our highest aspirations, and then we look at the other as the worst. And even though it may be one example, but then it gives you the basis for creating this internal narrative that these people deserve what they get. Imagine how you would feel um, if you were put in an environment where suddenly all the things you take for granted, uh, the fact that you had a stable, loving family, your parents stayed married, they worked in successful uh, backgrounds, Uh, Imagine now the environment where you have a completely dysfunctional environment, one parent who's not present, uh, uh, scarcity of food, uh, difficulty uh, uh, with housing, Uh, and we talked about the amount of energy necessary uh, to just get to work as an example, where you become the working poor, but you're still very poor even though you're working. Put yourself in that position. And David DeStino at Northwestern has uh, actually studied this. And when you put yourself in the position of another, when you can see through their eyes and see the pain that they suffer as a result of being in these situations, it enlightens you and makes you understand uh, what it's like. And then you're much, much more empathetic to the plight of individuals like this. And this is really the importance of this idea of justice Um, and seeing people who are vulnerable because there are many, many people and with the uh, increasing economic disparity in the United States and other parts of the world, um, a system that only emphasizes these disparities, it's more and more important that each of us who have been privileged to have been successful in society, whether it's regarding a professional position, uh, income, or a position of power, each of us is obligated to care for those who are most vulnerable. And that's really uh, why J, justice, was put into the alphabet. Oh, that's fantastic, Dr. Dirty. That reminds me of, of, of uh, some advice. Or, or, or Who was it? I've forgotten exactly who said this to me, but someone said, how are you going to take the knowledge you've learned from your degree and use it for the betterment of humanity? And that's really connecting to this sense of justice. 
So we've covered a few little tips there that could be helpful uh, to engage with cultivating justice. That might be starting to set the intention each morning, as Dr. Doty does, have a physical reminder or a cue to prompt um, us coming back to a remembering justice as a core quality or intention. And also the breathing and mindfulness-based practices, which were Ruth's tricks, are also really helpful to help enable us to engage in empathy, which can help facilitate justice. So try as best as you can with these practices, um, because some of them, of course, are tricky, and it does take some time to build some of these skills. And feel free to listen to the episodes again. Uh, They can be accessed through a number of different pathways, uh, such as iTunes or the CARE website or Dr. Doty's website. Into the magic shop.com and James R. Doty, uh, md.com. Excellent. And that wraps up, uh, Jay, Dr. Doty. Thank you again. Thank you. And uh, I'm looking forward to being with you uh, soon again.